Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep the communities they operate within safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fee on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code RAPTORS. That's $5 off your and zero delivery fee on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code RAPTORS. Don't forget, that's code RAPTORS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, as always, Eric Green. Eric, what's up, man? Uh, this is a Denver Nuggets podcast now, correct? It sure is. I am driving around the 519 honking my horn. As uh, uh, yes. Not as we do this. That would be really dangerous. But Yeah, I was going to ask about your mic setup for that. Do you have like a very flat dashboard and uh, all of that? Uh, um, our boy, the Zoobs, is actually just riding shotgun, holding the mic to my mouth. Well, what a what a pro. What a pro. Yeah. And as he should in celebration of this historic 519 uh, event time, it's a, it's a great time to be alive. It sure is. Jamal Murray, killing it. Sending Kawhi Leonard home. Raising the profile of the 519. Hasn't been in battles like this since uh, the Fairview Park Mall Territory Wars of 2008. Um, uh, what's up, man? How are you? I'm all right. How, how are you doing? Uh, I'm okay, man. I have not been sleeping a lot or uh, showering a lot. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's uh, I made a very sad are, are changing we... of the multiple seasons playlist yesterday. I would say I, I've I've admitted before that with the exception of last summer, be, I think because not even because it was a championship, but because every like the championship rolled immediately into free agency. Yeah. Uh, every year when the season ends you get this like week or two of prepping the off season and then it's like oh yeah the thing that i've been solely focused on the last couple months is gone and do i have a purpose and where is my value coming from and oh yeah i haven't been taking care of myself the last couple months so yeah, at I've, least in this case i've been taking better care of myself physically because of this like weight loss betting pool i'm in but uh yeah, it's but uh, mentally as, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, as you've said, Eric, uh, sad season where where you thrive. So. Yeah, um, I'm infringing on your territory. Yeah, I've been uh, experiencing some elements of what you're describing, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a time, but uh, that's okay. We've made through. We've made it through before. We've made it through. A lot longer off. I mean, we don't know how long this off season is <laughs> going to be. I at least have made it through, you know, full five months off seasons before. So I assume I can deal with whatever this will turn out to be. Yeah, uh, I think my biggest complaint right now is, uh, look, I'll just call it like it is. I had a very good night on Twitter last night. I thought I had some great Clippers slander, so some good Jamal Murray content, but. 
as is the case when a tweet gets enough retweets or likes or whatever, it makes its way to like normie Twitter or to people who don't follow you. And now I have a bunch of people either repeating my jokes back to me or like asking for clarification on something that is very clearly a joke. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, your uh, Twitter break was the right move. Aaron. Yeah, no, I'm saying like, I mean, that's not the main reason. There are a lot more vile reasons why I'm taking a, a more or less taking a Twitter hiatus. But uh, that's certainly frustrating. Uh, but uh, that's the price of crossover success, as <laughs> you you might find out at Columbia House Party. Yeah, uh, Eric. In seriousness about, in half seriousness. I'm being deadly serious. I don't know about you. No, no, no. I'm I'm trying to pivot us here. Uh, In in seriousness, allowing for some tongue in cheek about the Clippers Nuggets series. um, How do you think this reframes things for Kawhi Leonard's decision to leave the Raptors? Like from from a Raptors perspective, like is Masai Ujiri laughing at this? Is he sad that the Raptors would have been like, I think, had like in retrospect like pretty overwhelming favorites to to win the championship or at least uh get to the finals against the Lakers where where do you think the Raptors are at with Kawhi Leonard leaving for greener pastures and then the pastures were the same shade of browning fall green <laughs> uh I think you know the they're mostly odd to the next thing but to the extent that they think about it. I think there's probably a little uh, a Schadenfreude uh, going on. Um, it's, I mean, they made the best case they could, and they made the, you know, a very compelling competitive case. And this year only emphasized and accentuated that case if Kawhi Leonard was still paying attention, which I highly doubt he is or was or whatever tense you want to use. And to see him having orchestrated things to the extent we know he did and, and, you know, strongly encouraging the Clippers go get Paul George and to see Paul George, not to pin it solely on him, but, you know, he did not elevate his game to another level in the playoffs. And that's a big reason why the Clippers are going home. I mean, I think it, there there are certainly some people who would say, you know, you get, you get what you pay for. You get what you, you get what you deserve sometimes. Not that I don't think it's a deserved thing, but yeah, I think there's a bit of a few stray smiles uh, today and wherever the Raptors are hanging out. I just, I really wish, so I have a piece coming up, uh, probably by the time this podcast comes out, breaking down what the Raptors can pay Fred Van Vliet and still maintain max cap space in 2021, and I wrote it yesterday before that game, I I just really wish I had slid a Kawhi Leonard is a 2021 free agent comment in there somewhere. Do you want uh, to take a break just to to send a quick Slack message to our editors? (laughs) <laughs> it's fine. I also thought you missed the opportunity in your your great piece uh, ahead of Game Seven, comparing these this year's Raptors to uh, the '94 Bulls. Uh, you did not use the joke I suggested of how Kawhi returning in 2021 is the Raptors equivalent of MJ coming out of retirement. I thought I did mention it in the second last graph. Um, oh, maybe I just didn't read it. Oh, thanks. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's Blind great. RT, Eric. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate that status, but, uh, 
for you to accuse me of not yeah, taking cues. your feedback, I, I do feel... Uh, anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, you can you, read all of that great stuff at The yes. Athletic. If you don't have a subscription yet, uh, we currently have a deal celebrating 1 million subscribers that if you click on one of our articles, it's only $1.25 per month. Failing that, as always, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six for 40% off if you miss this uh, $1.25 a month window. But don't, because 40% off, while a good deal, is not as good a deal as $1.25 a month. So get clicking and get subscribing. Uh, Eric, we've had a lot of content but, come out. Um, second last yeah. graph of second last graph of that story. Uh, just Can't to, let it go, eh? No, I cannot. And should Leonard decide he made the wrong decision last July and come back to Toronto in free agency next year, I'm sure the Raptors will keep the 4-5 available for him. There you go. Uh, so thanks for reading. Uh, this has been a partnership that is now dissolved. Look, man, we have, we just have so much good content up at the Athletic (laughs) that it's hard to keep up with it all. Yeah, Um, very good. No, we, we, we talked to you guys a few days ago, uh, wrapping up the Raptors season and their seven game loss to the Boston Celtics. Uh, and talked a lot about the content we had up, uh, breaking it down and we promised you today would be a look-ahead podcast to the offseason head. Before we get to that, uh, one of the big dominoes already fell on Tuesday. The Raptors announced they have signed Nick Nurse to a multi-year contract extension. Terms weren't uh, disclosed. I would imagine that deal is for at least three years, um, as these things tend to be. Eric, you wrote about it yesterday. Uh, where are you at on the Nick Nurse contract extension? I, I mean, obviously, like getting it done in general was a no-brainer, but to set to also set up one of our biggest off-season dominoes here, uh, are you surprised it happened before a deal got done for Masai Jiri or Bobby Webster? Uh, no, uh, and obviously, I'm answering with hindsight. So, uh, but <laughs> I, but I didn't. There was not a wave of surprise when I heard the news uh, yesterday. Um, I think you have to keep in mind Nick Nurse's place in the league and that he's, this was his first full-time or not full-time is his first head coaching gig. And he is looking like, it's like a guy coming off his rookie contract, right? Like he, you want to lock in that money. You want to lock in that security. And that's why time over time we see uh, guys on rookie contracts who would otherwise have that leverage. They opt for security and money and like, yeah, sure. Nick nurse could have gone, you know, played out this year of contract and, uh, and gone on to uh, free some form of free agency as a coach where Mike D'Antoni is now, but like, why wouldn't he opt for that security? Even if the management situation is, is uncertain. So you get the contract done when it presents itself. Uh, I, I'm sure whatever the status of Masai Ujiri and, and Bobby Webster, uh, their negotiations, if those negotiations exist, are going on with MLSE, uh, MLSE would say, hey, we like that nurse guy. You want to make a deal happen? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think... And that, that was... One of my bigger takeaways is I just don't think they're terribly related. Uh, I could find out I'm wrong, but uh, that that's happened before. But I, yeah, so I, yeah, next, I th- next I think, biggest priority, yeah, as you wrote about 
uh, earlier this week, next biggest priority is the Messiah extension now, right? Like, obviously, that's that's a matter of the calendar as well, because free agent, like we yeah. we got it locked in yesterday that the draft's November 18th. Uh, free agency won't start until after that. Uh, so, you know, you're at least two months away from free agency here. So M- Masai, as a matter of like, um, yeah, just as a matter of calendar, he's the next big move. But more existentially, this is the next big move to to take care of, as you wrote about. Uh, yeah, it's I, just it's a tricky speak. thing when you're trying to do what the Raptors are doing, which is stay. Co- I mean, I think this is what they're trying to do. It's what they did before. Stay competitive, keep themselves flexible enough to make a big move when that move presents itself. You know, we've seen that, as we said last time, we saw it work once before. And that's sort of the path that the is least encumbered for them to travel down again. And it's hard to do that if you don't have a head executive who is committed to the long path that that path as well and when there's you know only one year left on that contract as has been widely reported uh and a lot of what you're thinking about is the summer of 2021 it just is an odd position to put yourself in as a franchise that is i mean this is a situation where Masai has as much leverage as he gives himself. So, like, the Raptors can only do so much, I I think. Um, uh, But that's what you want to get done. Like, you, you know, you want to have some clarity there. And the ideal form of clarity is the status quo. Right. And then as you head into uh, November, when there's the draft and the free agency, you then have a secure long-term front office and coaching set up for when you pitch free agents, whether they're your own or those belonging to other teams. We're going to talk about those free agents, uh, but before we get back to the show, let's take a minute to hear about Liquid IV. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on The Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, Everybody, yeah, hydrate your body, yeah. Everybody, hydrate your body right. Hydration's back, all right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon-lime, put it in my water, and I get that energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win, because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. 
liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Now back to the show. All right, Eric. Uh, so hypothetically, Masai or Bobby or both get locked up. Nick Nurse is in place. The We won't talk about the draft today. We'll save that for closer to November 18th. But uh, November, whatever day free agency ends up opening on, uh, where do your priorities, how do your priorities structure uh, heading into free agency? I mean, Fred Van Vliet is the top one. And we're both going to write a bunch about this. And you have written a bit about it already. It's a complicated situation for the reason I just mentioned, right? Like they're trying to do two things at once. Uh, they're trying to stay open for that 2021 window when they bring, you know, either Giannis or Kawhi back home. Um, but they also, part of that plan is to not have that player, you know, entering a non-competitive situation. And so you have to put a price on how much Van Vliet is worth to keeping it competitive. And that's tricky because like some of his strengths are certainly the strengths of this team, but some of his weaknesses also spoke to how they were eliminated against the Celtics. Um, and this is totally a situation where he is one of the bigger fish in a in a small free agency pond, I would say, uh, where he could get a big offer from a team that you're not necessarily comfortable with. And assuming Van Vliet gives them the right of matching, which, you know, we don't have to assume. Maybe he wants to be in a different situation. I don't, I think all things being equal, he'd rather be back here. But, you know, none of, none of us know that for sure. Um, but assuming that's the case, they really have to do some uh, some calculations. And I, I think it's probably going to come to a situation of them asking themselves and, and probably getting to the place where they're a little uncomfortable with the number they're giving him. That's like my we're two months away or more than two months away from free agency. We still don't know the number, <laughs> the exact numbers, but that's sort of my general feeling is it's going to be a bit uncomfortable for them. All right. I don't want to get too um, like in the weeds with yeah. cap stuff on the podcast. It's just easier to write about where I can provide visuals and stuff like that. So I'm going to refer people to uh, on Tuesday. I had my annual free agency cap primer come out, which explains some of the rules that the Raptors are operating within and some of our assumptions for the offseason uh, today. Probably by the time this podcast is up, I'll have a detailed breakdown of uh, the Fred Van Vliet situation as it pertains to 2021 flexibility. Uh, just briefly, so you know why we're not just saying, oh, you know, pay your guy, throw $25 million at Fred Van Vliet. The pandemic is it's expected to cause a flatter salary cap, if not a completely flat salary cap the next couple of years, which while that is good in the short term from a cap perspective for the Raptors because it makes uh, Pascal Siakam's max contract a little cheaper and possibly restricts Fred Van Vliet's market. Uh, it also, if the cap stays lower in 2021, gives you less flexibility to chase someone. So they have to they have to thread a needle here a little bit in terms of Van Vliet's money, in terms of if OGN and OB gets an extension, which we'll talk about later, uh, in terms of if you give out any long-term salary. The thing that hangs over all of this, of course, is that you can always get out of salary 
Uh, the Raptors a couple years ago traded a first and a second to get rid of Damari Carroll and gave Corey Joseph away. Um, no disrespect to Emir Prelzgitz, uh, <laughs> but that was not, um, you know, uh, real consideration coming back in the uh, in the Corey Joseph trade. So there are ways out of the money, um, especially if Norman Powell were to pick up his player option for 2021-22, then, you know, maybe you can flip that or whatever. Uh, but to paint with broad strokes, the Raptors have to be careful here. And I would say anything over $18 million a year is where you start to get into, uh, oh, maybe this is... Not uncomfortable in terms of Van Vliet's value because that's kind of a separate discussion and and it gets into things like marginal win values where like if Van Vliet can add five, six wins to your team, that's pretty like like Detroit or New York might have a higher willingness to pay for that. Um, anyway, all that's to say, I think 18 is probably the number at which if it's higher than that, you're you're still in the band of being willing to negotiate and not walk away. But that's where you get a little uncomfortable with the uh, the cap flexibility stuff. And then there's a number higher than that, which is a walk away number. Um, between you know 18 million and the max, but I don't know exactly uh, what that is. Eric, I wanna I know you're writing about Fred later this week, so I don't want to give away too much. But in terms of <laughs> we can't give it away because I don't know exactly what I'm writing. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but in ahead. terms of like, I I guess you're writing more of a you know how important is it? Yeah, how necessary it's is more it philosophical. Yes, yeah. yes. So more. Um, on the Blake side of things, have you gotten to a place where you have like a rough willingness to pay cap in mind? Like, do you have a walkaway number where you'd be like, hey, you know what? Van Vliet's great and he means a lot to the culture and he means a lot to the leadership dynamic, but that's just too much to pay to a second tier guy. Is there a number for you? Uh, I'm not sure there is, but like uh, for the longest time, I've been sort of considering Malcolm Brogdon's contract, which was like 482 or something like that, 483, uh, 83 over four, I should say. Um, and like, I, I thought that was a, f you know, you can split hairs about their values and Brogdon is certainly uh, a a better finisher and has more size, obviously. Uh, but I think that's like a reasonable comparison. Uh, and given that the cap seems like it might be the exactly the same, that's sort of a, an especially reasonable comparison. And that already is putting you in an uncomfortable spot, right? So it, like if you're getting up to like a hundred over four, that's just really problematic for what you're trying to do the problem is like there aren't simple ways to replace them and well that's uh, the thing right yeah. it's like 20 million on the open market gets you terry rogier <laughs> not fred van vliet yeah um like free agency players earned that and there's a reason fred van vliet <laughs> you know negotiated a two-year contract Instead of a four-year contract, the last time he uh, he was in restricted free agency, because he, you know, it's better to go into restricted free agency when you're 26 than when you're 28. So, uh, uh, yes, my bad. Um, Do you unless see you're, a unless you're a super to... duper star? So it's, I mean, that's sort of where I'm at. I, I don't have a hard number, but I could. That's why I say I can see it getting really uncomfortable really quickly. 
Um, you mentioned Van Vliet's bet on himself multiple times, going back to draft night and then signing a two-year and then signing another two-year. Do you... I know you wrote about this during the pandemic. With a... Like, let's assume the cap is going to be flat the next two years. Do you see a scenario where Van Vliet bets on himself once more, signs a two-year deal, and then that way he can re-enter unrestricted free agency at 28 in a scenario where, you know theoretically the the cap environment's a little bit better obviously this is this is a lot of assuming and speaking for a player having not asked him about these things but like if you're either side of this do you do you look at a a two-year deal at a similar annual value as you as you would on a four-year deal I mean if I'm the Raptors I do I given them like I think Van Vliet there are teams that are gonna go after him um and you know, I think New York and Detroit make a lot of sense. Uh, there might be some others out there. Uh, Atlanta would probably be, I mean, they might do it, but it would be tough to do given how bad of a defender Trey Young is. You know, part of the thing that makes the Raptors backcourt work defensively is that Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet can both guard above their size. Uh, Trey Young could not guard his size, uh, let alone above his size. Um, so, but I think those two, like, it doesn't take more, more, much more than that, right? Like, so I think assuming that three or four year deal at a lot of money is out there, I think that's what Van Vliet is going to do. And I, I, my feeling right now is that some version of that deal will be out there. All right. Well, you disagree? uh... No, no, no. No, I'm just curious. I'm curious. Yeah, I just wanted uh, your take on it. No, I think, you know, the Brogdon, which was 85 over four, is I think probably the anchor point that Van Vliet's camp enter negotiations with. And, you know, if I'm the Raptors, what I probably do is come out at 1201 with a more like with a pretty aggressive offer, but not that aggressive. And your your hope is you know, get him, convince him to not even get into the bidding war and just be like, here, we're taking care of you. That We value you. Um, you know, don't even see the old DeMar yeah. thing of don't <laughs> even see what's out there. Uh, but would you like, what, would you like $129 million over five years? Yes. Uh, but yeah, this is the thing is like Van Vliet's pretty shrewd with this stuff and he's very smart and he's surely aware of the cap environment and um, you know, I know fans like to like to think sometimes about hometown discounts or whatever, but I think the idea of hometown discounts are something that maybe exists or, or even like the desire to play for a more competitive situation or whatever. Those happen at the margins. Those don't happen to the tune of five million a year. Those happen to split hairs when two deals are close. So uh, I certainly think Detroit and New York and to a lesser degree, Phoenix uh, are out there. I knew there was the another team. I, I forgot about. Yeah, I mean, the cap crunch hurts Phoenix's yeah. candidacy to where, like, I think they can, in Hollinger's latest update, he had them at about 19 million. But like I said earlier with the Raptors, you can always get out of a little yeah. bit of salary. Um, a sign and trade is an option as well if the Raptors, if Phoenix couldn't get the space or the Raptors wanted to recoup a little bit. Uh, Phoenix chased Van Vliet in 2018 and then. Did they? I mean, <laughs> they were interested and then they blew their wad on a one-year Trevor Ariza deal for some that, reason. That's why I wonder how interested they were, <laughs> I guess. They, I made, know, they made a ton of sense at the time. I'll yeah. say that. 
anyway, so that's the that's the Van Vliet situation. They were is, they uh, were hoisted by their own petard of being the Phoenix yes. Suns. Yeah. Did you know? Um, I, by the way, he'd sorry. be a better fit there now, though. He would have been a good. He would have been a good fit then too. Yeah. Um. That's a Shakespearean line. I found out. Uh, Shakespeare hoisted line. by a petard. Yeah, it's in Macbeth. There you go. All right. Is that the first reference of a petard hoisting? I would have to believe so. Or I mean, maybe maybe Billy stole it from yeah. a pal, but I, I don't. He did. Hey, I think there are those accusations out there. I mean. He wrote so much that some of it had to be stolen. What are you trying to say? Uh, plagiarism is okay. No, I thought that I thought that was a veiled shot at me. <laughs> <laughs> Always make it about yourself. You do write a lot, uh, but I think I'm more likely to accidentally plagiarize you than vice versa. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's the Fred Van Vliet situation. It is complicated. We could spend a whole podcast on it, but we won't. The next domino for the raptors after that uh oh by the way if you looked through my free agency primer you want to head there now i explain how i got to this number a little bit in a little bit more detail but uh, basically the raptors have about 45 million to spend on their own free agents and any mid-level exception signing uh so that's kind of before they get into the tax so that's kind of if you're looking at van vliet and the names we're about to talk about, and free agent targets, 45 million is the number to keep in mind because anything over that and the Raptors push into the tax or have to uh, unload salary elsewhere to stay beneath the tax. So, Eric, we just talked about how Fred Van Vliet could get north of 20 million. Uh, that makes it seem unlikely that both Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol would be back. Uh, you and I both felt during the hiatus, we both felt not super strongly, but a slight preference for retaining Gasol over Ibaka. For me, part of that at least was a belief that maybe Gasol would be more amenable to a one-year deal than Ibaka, who's a little younger and could probably cash in on a multi-year deal here. I, w- I would say, I would just say that was part of my calculation too, but not okay. not the biggest part, but it was a part. Now, um, things have changed a little bit coming out of that playoff run, maybe. Mark Gasol at 35, coming off two hamstring injuries, uh, looked a little less Mark Gasoli. Where are you at in the Abaka Gasol decision in your head, Eric? Assuming that the Raptors can probably only bring one of those two back. Yeah, it's um, it's even closer now <laughs> than it was then. Uh, I still think I'm leaning ever so slightly to Mark Gasol. Um, and I know that sounds, that will sound kind of strange and bizarre and just wrong to a lot of people watching or listening to this podcast or watching it somehow. Um, and my reasoning is a, he still has uh, over the course of the season and over many versions of a playoff series, he still brings more value at his best, I believe, than Ibaka does. Uh, there's still the one-year thing that is important. But I also think the Raptors have to experiment with going smaller as a bigger part of who they are. Uh, and so my... Sort of my need for a center is maybe... Less so, like I can see a scenario in which neither comes back and it's not the end of the world. Um, 
I think I'm just I'm still slightly leaning uh Gasol uh but again it's so slight that it it, it almost doesn't exist. Yeah, so in terms it's, it's of it's difficult. Gasol, it's really difficult. It yeah. is difficult. Yeah, and like my I I think I've approached this more coldly than a lot of other Raptors people at least that I've seen so far in that for me it's just uh you know, it's it, are one of these guys willing to sign a one-year deal that doesn't sacrifice the uh, flexibility? And if so, I would lean heavily toward that guy. Yeah. And then if they're both willing to sign one-year deals, then it gets a lot more, or neither is, then it gets more complicated. Uh, do you have, say one of them is, or both are willing to sign a one-year deal, um, how high would you go? Like, are you comfortable with uh, even acknowledging that they, they have a couple other spots to fill in? Are you cool with like a one-year kind of balloon like, hey, we'll pay you more than what you'd get annually on the market in order, basically in order to pay for um, a shorter term. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, there's a hard number there that is very difficult to work around if you're the Raptors uh, in terms of total expenditure, which I think is $45 million or so. So you can only balloon so much, <laughs> but uh, but to the extent that you can, I think that's probably the way to get it done i'd say more with abaca than with gasol necessarily just because of the age and and the playoff and to any extent that the playoff performance might boost his value um that would be important uh but yeah so that would be on my mind but i i you know if let's assume fred van vliet is back at 20 million dollars a year how high can that balloon really go? Like 17, maybe? Like that's already sort of an un- uncomfortable place. So uh, yes, you have to be willing if if you are prioritizing one of those guys coming back. I think like you have to be. You have to be thinking along those lines, but not that it's simple to, you know, it's easy to say and it's difficult to actually make happen is sort of how I'm thinking about it. Um, do you think that there's a chance that Marcus Gasol just goes back to Barcelona, lives on the beach with his family, and runs his uh, third tier Spanish Spanish team? Shit, I would. <laughs> wouldn't yeah, like like seriously, wouldn't you? Yes, especially especially if there aren't rules about like like can he play in the Spanish first division while owning a Spanish third division team? I don't see why there'd be an issue. Or maybe he just like comes back and. March or or whatever, just like doesn't play, just gets in super great shape and says, I'll come back for whatever the prorated whatever is, and uh, I'm just going to live in Barcelona now. Uh, I I mean, we're basing this on, uh, I think that guy still loves playing and still loves competing. Oh, in my scenario, he is still playing, whether for his own third tier team or, or Barcelona and then he's doing the Scola and like two Olympics from now, we're going to be like, wait a second, Marco Sol is still playing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a chance, but I think he's, uh, if I had to bet, I still think he really enjoys playing in the NBA and and, and rightly thinks of himself as an impactful NBA player. Uh, but for somebody who has such a, you know, rich life, 
uh, there. Uh, by rich, I mean full, not like wealthy, although I'm sure he's doing fine. Uh, that's always, you know, at his age, uh, and, and, you know, given the way his season ended, that's certainly a possibility, but I, I would be surprised. And with school-aged children, I think maybe that plays yeah, a yeah. part in it, I don't know. But also, like, each one year is only one more year. Uh, all right, Eric, so in our scenario here, the Raptors have retained Fred Van Vliet. They have retained one of Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka. As you look further down the roster now, they have... What may not be a one or the other decision, but is probably a one or the other decision in practicality. Uh, you wrote about this as well during the hiatus because you're very good at your job and you covered all this stuff. Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson or Chris there, Boucher. There, there's another reason why I covered it during the hiatus, but uh, we'll yes, leave that uh, out. So the, the salary cap rules might just dictate this one for the Raptors. Rondé Hollis Jefferson made $2.5 million last year. The Raptors only have non-bird rights on him because they he was only on the roster for one year, which means they could only go over the cap to give him a small raise without um, dipping into one of their exceptions. Chris Boucher, meanwhile, they have uh, greater rights on and can go up to a much higher salary to retain. Uh, I don't know that that plays a factor, but I would imagine... Even having not played in the playoffs, like I think Rondé Hollis Jefferson is probably in line for a raise off the 2.5 million that he made this year, and then the Raptors do have a little longer term invested in Boucher. How do you see this one shaking out? And you know, is the plan if it's Boucher, is the plan for him to absorb some of those extra center minutes, or is that kind of an open ended question with some of their other free agent shopping? Uh, I think Rondé's gone. Uh... I, I don't think he would be thrilled to return to a situation that saw him more or less benched in the playoffs, even if it happened for understandable reasons. Uh, and there's just, you know, he had a pretty good year and he showed his value. And I think it's it's going to be above what the Raptors would like to pay him given the value he has to this team. You know, they they already have OG Adenobi, who is, you know, if if Rondé Hollis Jefferson is the most def- versatile defensive player in the league, then then uh OG's right behind him are, are pretty damn close. And, you know, obviously you can never have too many versatile defenders, but it's certainly a luxury uh that I don't think they'll be able to, they will decide they're not able to afford or they literally won't be able to afford because they don't have bird rights on him. Um, so with Boucher, I think like, I think obviously that's the way they'd lean and, but he is like a, he is an interesting RFA target for certain teams but I also anticipate that market in general being depressed this year, uh, just because of relatable market. <laughs> you, you and me both, pal. Uh, just because of what figures to be a flat cap um, and just general uncertainty, it's hard to believe that a team would go all out to try and and take. Chris Boucher from the Raptors with the type of RFA contract that is usually required to accomplish such a feat. Um, I don't know exactly what that looks like for Boucher, but if it's 
you know, I'm just in my head, I'm just like $5 million a year. Is somebody really going to bring that for a guy who hasn't proven he can be in a rotation yet? Like I'd, I'd be surprised. Uh, so my bet is Boucher sticks around on some sort of, on a decent, on, on a raise, but probably a short-term deal. Uh, and he is used maybe in, you know, more minutes, uh, I, I, maybe not in total because of all the injuries that happen, but more minutes on average, I would say. And, uh, he would be used in cent in center minutes, but I think he'd also get those. I, I think the Raptors would certainly add, add somebody at center in free agency, just because that's one of the easiest spots to add somebody cheaply in free agency. Uh, there are more centers uh, out there than probably cap room uh, that they'd all like. So it could play out a bunch of different ways, but you know, Long answer made very short. I think he's back, and uh, I think it makes sense for both parties. Here's the draw for uh, fantasy players or DFS players. You want Chris Boucher on a bad team because nobody has ever profiled better as a like looter in the riot fantasy breakout candidate than Chris Boucher. Like if he gets in a situation where he can play 20 minutes a game and. Um, just like on on a bad team, like if he can get in the Christian Wood twenty nineteen twenty twenty situation, uh, he's gonna get some numbers. It'll be funny. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm, that that would I'm be fun you. too. Uh, and I, it's certainly possible. Uh, like there, as I mentioned, there are a number of ways to f- get those minutes filled. Uh, so skin those cats. Yeah, <laughs> those cats are there so to be sk- skinned in multiple ways. Uh, but I, I, right, would, I would guess he's back. Is uh what i'm saying why do i end sentences like that go on blake yeah obviously it's what you're saying you just said it uh we're gonna say a little bit more after this discovered the latest collections from david yerman as seen recently styled on basketball stars like jaime jaquez jalen green d'angelo russell and others david yerman is a celebrated american jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art architecture and the natural world The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right, Eric. So uh, one of Gasol or Ibaka are gone. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson out. Van Vliet, the other center, and Boucher are back. This brings us to bottom of the roster, guys, that uh, you don't really care about. I I care about. I just don't write a lot about them. Because, like, I know. why it's like taking a wide, it's like Matt Thomas wa- passing up a wide open three pointer. Why would I call for the ball from Matt Thomas if he were wide open? That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the Raptors do have some decisions at the end of the roster. Let's just go through them pretty quickly here, Eric. Terrence Davis has a non guaranteed minimum for next year. You figure they let that guarantee? Um, yeah, I, I'd, uh, I'd exercise that. Yes. Uh, same question for Matt Thomas and Dewan Hernandez. Both also, uh, Matt Thomas is 
about half guaranteed anyway, uh, but Dewan Hernandez non-guaranteed. Um, I'm exercising both. Uh, unless they've really soured on Dewan Hernandez, and I'd suggest there's not enough information for that to be the case, uh, I, I'm exercising both. All right. Um, Stanley Johnson has a $3.8 million <laughs> player option. What, what do you think he, he does there, Eric? Uh, I think uh, at 12.01, whenever, he is, uh, what is it, the day after the finals? What, uh, it depends. Each, each Technically, each player's option can have different dates. But yeah, basically, once the playoffs end. Yeah, I think. Stan, Stanley's probably already told them yeah, that he's picking up this option. I think he's he's going to be, uh, there will be a lot more opportunities for me to uh, put that picture on Twitter. Assuming I got back on Twitter at some point. Paul Watson Jr. has a second year on his two-way deal. Uh, do they keep him on that contract? Well, I mean, he'll be starting at small forward by game nine like Jamario Moon. So, sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other option is to convert him to an actual NBA contract and use that two-way spot. But uh, keep... we probably need some clarity on what two-way roster spots are going to look like yeah. next year and if there's going to be a G League first. Yeah. You keep him around. Uh, he, yeah, he showed he a lot of promise. Do. Yeah. Uh, Sticking with two ways, O'Shea Brissett is a restricted free agent and could probably land an NBA deal uh, on the market. I don't know what his willingness to sign, like, say, you know, the old hinky special of a multi-year with de-escalating guarantees. But um, did you do you think the Raptors saw enough to bring Brissett back on a, a proper contract this year? I would guess so. I mean, injuries sort of ended his year. Uh, I mean, didn't. In the, or he played maybe one game in the bubble, or he was available one game he, in the bubble. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he was a meaningful contributor when everybody was injured, and, like, he already did that in an NBA game. So if you can bring him back at a low, low price, then you probably do that because, again, you can't have too many wings who project as pretty good defenders. I also, I'm curious as to your take on this. Um, it more applies to the guys like Brissett and the, these back roster guys than, than the shopping you do at the top. But um, with the amount of uncertainty, and obviously like the Euro offseason doesn't line up with the NBA offseason this, this time around, so you maybe can't poach European guys. We don't know if there's going to be a G League. There's still some lack of clarity on like how many guys might stick in the draft that could go undrafted. All these things. And, and then that's before the fact that you're not going to have a summer league. Uh, you might have, you know, an abbreviated training camp. Do you think teams, or at least the Raptors, are going to put a premium on that kind of familiarity and continuity where, like, hey, even if there's a guy they like equal to O'Shea Brissett or Paul Watson or Dewan Hernandez, the guy you know a little better and is system and culture-oriented gets, like, a slight premium this time around? I mean, I, th I think that's always something that's considered... And it would probably be a little more the case this year, but also it just might be functionally the case in free agency. We don't know how long, I, I mean, free agency technically goes on forever, but teams generally want to have their, uh, their system, not forever, but, uh, goes all the way until whatever the last signing date you can, you can make to get a player eligible for the playoffs, uh, but teams like to be set up going into the regular season, and usually there's, you know, two and a half months in between it, and, and now there might be as, as little as a few weeks in between the start of training camp and the start of uh, the regular, or, or, and 
the start of free agency. I said that backwards. So I think, you know, just having a working relationship with these players and these players' agents might make those sort of easier, lower leverage contracts, uh, you know, more likely to happen with guys you're familiar with. All right. Um, and that brings us to the one person I don't think that's going to apply for. Uh, Malcolm Miller is a restricted free agent after three years on the roster and almost never playing. I mean, I think he's got to be looking for something else. Uh, I mean, if I don't think the Raptors are guaranteeing him a spot, given that they have a first-round pick. And I think he's probably ready for something new, too. Yeah, he's an NBA player. Someone should take a shot on him. Uh, we can only say that so often on Raptors Reasonable, so... It's true. Uh, okay, so the Raptors will have a first-round pick. They'll have a second-round pick. They will also have, based on the assumptions we've made throughout here, a little bit of space left over and maybe a roster spot or two. Eric, before we wrap up, is there anyone out there catching your eye that the Raptors might be able to chase, keeping in mind that they probably top out at the full mid-level exception in terms of what they can offer? So I looked through the free agent list last night, and I just wrote down a bunch of names with question marks next to their names. And you can stop me or say if you have anybody in in mind particular, but I'm just going to say a bunch of names in no specific order. How many uh, are we talking? How many names are we talking here? Tennis. Uh, um, okay. Give me like one at a time. Let let, let me just let, we'll do like rapid fire. Okay. Ennis Cantor. Association. Ennis Cantor. No. Is Mac Biombo? Yeah. Uh, but under the assumption that he's like the third center and is mostly just around to give us great quotes. Uh, Michael Kidd Gr- Gilchrist. The light that never goes out, Eric. If they uh, look, if they thought they could fix Rondé's shot, they they <laughs> will think they can fix Kid Gilchrist's shot. Dwight Howard. No. Uh, my light that never goes out, Anthony Tolliver. Oh, I thought you were going to say John Henson. <laughs> John Henson too. I don't even know if he's a free agent, but yeah. Uh, I don't I think- know with Tolliver. I think Tolliver will be back in Memphis. I think he showed like enough at the end of this year that like if he's in a much smaller role. But Memphis playing him 30 minutes a game was, like, criminal. Here's one I'm legitimately uh, excited about. Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, I can't. Um, I guess Miami's in a tough spot because they're trying to maintain 2021 flexibility, too. Yeah. Um, he does have that built-in feud with Marcus Smart now if the Raptors are trying to build that rivalry out. Yeah. After that charge on offense Marcus Smart took on Tuesday night. Uh, Myers Leonard. Probably not. I mean, he's not bad, but I think I probably I probably aim younger in a lot of these spots than your list is. So far. yeah, well, some of it is just like pure who, yeah, dumpster diving, and some yeah. of it. Pat Connaughton. <sighs> as much as I'd love to rewrite the Pat Connaughton has a seven, uh, ninety-seven mile an hour fastball story, uh, I think he probably stays because he's RFA, right? Um, so he probably he probably stays there. Yeah, I I th- I didn't say so on the site I was looking at, but that doesn't mean it's he's good though. Yeah, um, Derek Favors probably not. Again, I'm just like I'm leaning. Yeah, I'm leaning younger in these spots. Michael Carter Williams. I think so. Michael Carter Williams is in the same class as two of my favorite free agent targets. Um, with like in terms of the spirit of what the Raptors do, who are Chris Dunn and yeah. Gary Payton. I didn't um, mention 
uh, Don, because I assumed you would be all over him. Yeah, so Don, Gary Payton II, and Carter Williams all kind of fit a similar thing in that, on one hand, they fit what the Raptors like to do with perimeter defense and at their guard positions. On the other hand, they all kind of lock in the same weaknesses that the Raptors have right now. Like, none of those guys are really helping your half-court offense, and I think that that's, you know, I wouldn't, like, they're not, those those are good players, um, but you know, if you're going to go guard in that tier, like maybe a little bit more offensive oriented with like a D'Anthony Melton type yeah, is maybe more of a way to go just for like skill balance. Yeah, I, most, I also kind of think, I also kind of think the 29 pick makes sense for a guard based on yeah. how the current mocks line up and stuff. Yeah. So. I mostly stayed away from restricted guys, not entirely, yeah. but mostly just cause I think the Raptors winning, uh, willingness to make such an offer that scares away the other team is uh, probably unlikely. They're going to probably try to win in the margins. Uh, just This is my last serious one. Harry Giles. Yeah, he's my favorite one. He's yeah. my favorite target. Um, the the Kings non not picking up his fourth-year option is pretty criminal. I don't know. Maybe someone like blows out the market to get him in to just let like outbids everyone else. The Kings can't go very high, but I think in terms of his track record, his pedigree, his skill set, and the fact that he was in a poor developmental situation, I think all of that lines up with what the Raptors look for in these kind of signings, like a uh, Stanley Johnson or Ronda house Jefferson or whatever. Uh, I like Giles as a target. Um, another guy that kind of fits that is Deandre Bembry. Um, but yeah, yeah, Giles Giles is probably the top of my list of like potentially realistic targets. Yeah. Uh that's basically it for me. Yeah. I had I, uh, I had Jordan Clarkson is... and Davis Bertans written down, but I I'm I don't think they necessarily play enough defense for the Raptors and they also might be out of their price range. Eric, we've talked about this. It's Davis. Davis Bertans. Davis. I can't do um, it. Yeah, there are a couple other names that are on my list on a restricted free agency basis. But again, like you said, they're, uh, the idea of the Raptors outbidding a team on a restricted free agent who's actually good is pretty uh, pretty limited. But if you're shopping in there, Dwayne Bacon and Wendy and Gabriel are uh, interesting enough options. Cool. Wait, is Gabriel a restricted free agent? I should have had that written down. I'm sorry. Uh, Dwayne Bacon is certainly a restricted free agent. He is. Uh, I'll tell you, Gabriel uh, is a get... restricted free agent. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, with a lot of these RFA guys, and it's possible some of these RFA guys end up UFAs. Like, I don't think the Raptors are going to qualify Malcolm Miller, so he'll become a UFA. And I think yeah. that could happen a little bit around the league as because the qualifying offers are guaranteed for more than the minimum. So you could see some teams try to lock in flexibility that way. Blake, um, we got to go. Right. Yeah, we do. Um, all right. So that's uh, that's part one of our off-season preview. I'm sure we'll be back to talk. We'll certainly have draft coverage ahead of November 18th. We will have more free agent stuff as news happens. Uh, if there's a Maasai extension or a Maasai walk situation, we'll certainly jump on and cover that. Uh, maybe do a mailbag or get some guests at some point. But from here on out, the cadence of this podcast will not be quite as regular. We will not guarantee you one a week necessarily, unless news dictates. Uh, thank you so much for following along. Again, $1.25 a month right now if you click on any of our articles for the written side of The Athletic. And you can always go to theathletic.com slash we the six for 40% off, which is not as good a deal as one twenty five. So jump on that now. Click Minor Eric's articles and nobody else's uh, to get that subscription. Eric. Thank you so much, man. Take some time off. 
uh, YouTube. Like this is no. it's been a it's been a good year of Raptors Reasonable List. See ya.